0: Yo, 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 is that a card game? People wanna know. They got kids who play Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh! Those games don't cut it, I ain't trying to be cold. But when it comes to fun, that ain't what I get a fun Not gonna let you finish. Take a minute, set you straight, so the next coming. This
1: episode of the Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where out of print is available again. And dice envy, because let's face it, you aren't the problem, the dice must be. And listeners like you, thanks for using the Tomes Amazon and DM's Guild affiliate links and for our patrons who support us directly at patreon.com/thetomeshow.
2: You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D unless you want to like me. You don't dress
1: up- Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews and interview show and I'm your host, Jeff Griner.
3: And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 304, we're going to let our furry, oh wait, not all of them get animals, fury loose, and smash everything and everyone that gets in our way.
1: Joining us in this episode is the class master from Tribality.com, Brandis Stoddard. Welcome back, sir.
4: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. That's a heck of an intro. I hope to live up to it.
1: Well, you, uh, you are here... On very specific request from a listener who was berating me for not having done my research on a previous episode by using this this series of class uh, articles over at Tribality, and I went and I'm like, okay, I'll go check that out. And I, lo and behold, they are by you. So I'm like, I know Brandis. We can have him on. He likes having these conversations. So here we are.
4: I'm very excited to be here.
1: Uh, And also on the panel with us is the host of our very own performance check, Jonathan Green. Welcome
5: back, sir. Hey, how are y'all doing?
3: Doing great.
5: Excellent. Excellent. I'm happy to be here.
3: We're happy to have you here. Thank you. And for those that don't know, this is a continuation of our class series examining each class in depth. And since our patrons over at patreon.com slash the tome show helped point us, uh, To the order of the last four classes, Uh, special thanks go out to Keith Bryan, Jill Sanders, Leonard Pelletier, Jeremiah McCoy, Matt Bible, Doug Palmer, Mark Richman, Dan Simmons, William M. Niles, (laughs) Craig Klusterman, and Tackleman Gaming. Thanks for the support, folks, and thanks for helping us figure out what you'd like to hear next.
1: Before we smash our way into the discussion on Barbarians, however, I want to mention our sponsors. First up is our longest-running sponsor ever. They are a brick-and-mortar store as well as an online game store, and they specialize in finding out-of-print products. If you've been listening for any amount of time, you know who I'm talking about. It's Noblenight.com. My pick for this episode is the board game known as Conan. It's a board game set in the world of the most famous Barbarian of all. And it gets four stars from Board Game Geek, which for them is a pretty darn good rating. It's $25 off the normal price from Noble Knight. Make sure that if you go and buy this or anything else while you're there, that you let them know that that the Tome Show sent you. Support for the Tome Show comes from Noble Knight.
5: From Noble Knight.
1: Noble Knight? Knight? Knight?
2: Thousands of tabletop gamers use a Noble Knight
1: to sell new and out-of-print games and products at a discounted price. Noble Knight will also buy back the game products you aren't using anymore. NobleKnight.com. The brick-and-mortar online store where out of print is available again. Tell them the Tome Show sent you. I use Noble Knight. You do? I love it. It's trying to sound creepy, there. And now I want to mention our second sponsor. That's right, two sponsors. We have another great supporter, and this time it is in the form of DiceEnvy.com. They are a dice retailer uh, and creator that carefully curates really unique sort of sets of dice you can go to their store and buy up some of their sets but even better than that they also have a subscription service that allows you to get some awesome unique dice sets delivered right to your door each month there are three levels but in this episode i want to talk about the sampler level Uh, not sure if this kind of subscription is your thing well for five dollars a month or fifty dollars for six months saving a little money Uh, you can get a single, carefully curated polyhedral die delivered to you each month. This is a great way to sort of pick up a random sampling of dice and try out the service and see just how it works and and just how unique the dice might be and see if this is a thing that you'd be interested in. Check them out over at diceenvy.com and make sure to let them know that the Tome Show sent you. There are a lot of subscription services out there that deliver things right to your door these days. Veggies. Movies, meat, pet toys, artisanal jams, collectibles, RPGs, pictures of cool places, music, butter, dice. Wait, what? There is literally only one thing on that list that would make my life complete. A monthly subscription service for dice? Dice Envy has subscription services for dice. They send you a unique set every single month right to your house. Go check out their subscriptions, or if you just want to go buy some of their unique and interesting dice, head over to DiceEnvy.com and let them know that the Tome Show sent you.
3: All right, now it's time to commune with nature and get real mad at all the stuff that makes us great barbarians.
1: All right, so barbarians. We we usually like to start our class discussions by getting into some of the history, uh, both both real world and previous editions of the game and then get into what are barbarians in 5e and since he is the class master brandis why don't you tell us a little bit about what what a barbarian is
4: well so um I, i guess we'll start with some real world history and um the fact that there are people that sounded like they were saying bar 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 to the greeks Or at least that's what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't studied that history, but it's people who don't speak Greek.
1: That's my understanding from watching Crash Course videos with John Green.
4: There you go. (laughs) Um, And so it it is always defined by being an outsider to whatever the uh, local and dominant culture is. Um, and, And let's face it, the the class name is a very low grade slur. Oh sure, right. Yeah, and there's more always so this, than most class names. Yeah, and and, and there's maybe warlock.
1: There's always this sort of connotation that barbarians are not just outsiders, but that they're 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 uncivilized, so to speak, right? Right. Um, that For they're sure. the, they're the more primitive sort of peoples.
4: And that's definitely where Gary Gygax started with them in 1982 in uh uh, dragon magazine issue 63. Uh, he was very very interested in presenting the um the outsider and sort of more tribal peoples that would have troubled um rome and byzantium Mm.
5: Uh, yeah, jumping in here uh, really quick, you mentioned Byzantium. So A lot of this is based off the idea of these old Norse berserkers that were, uh, you know, they they raided England and, um, you know, settled in Normandy, all that other stuff. But there was actually a big group of them that um, some of the old uh, Byzantine emperors said, hey, you guys are bigger and scarier than anyone else I've ever met or ever known. You're going to be my, my personal guard. Like, they were so scary. They became the Varangian guard. Because they would just throw themselves into battle with Mm -hmm. such a furiosity. They served as the shock troops for the Byzantine Empire. They were that terrifying and had this reputation of fire couldn't hurt them, swords couldn't hurt them. They sometimes just wouldn't wear armor and would just throw themselves into the heat of the battle. Mm
4: -hmm. The other benefit is that because they weren't Byzantines, they weren't on anyone else's payroll but the emperors.
5: Mm. Yeah.
1: And, and that was sort of part, I mean, this concept of the the lesser civilized, and, I, and I, I'm putting that in, in quotes, which I'm sure you can all hear, because uh, as I oftentimes try to explain to my students, that the, those who, who dominant culture oftentimes refers to as less civilized are actually just differently civilized and they don't recognize the civilization that's there. But that's a whole other history lesson or social studies lesson that, that is not the purpose of this. Uh, but the the outsider quote lesser civilized um, big bad super scary Berserker sort of uh, archetype is not a uniquely European construction right like you talked about how how it's clearly sort of modeled after the idea of the berserkers of of Norse um, culture but you know, Eastern East Asia had similar conceptions with, you know, the Mongols and, and those that were being walled away from, from China. And uh, th- this is not an unusual sort of archetype to see pop up throughout cultures around the world, I don't think.
4: The original dragon article, uh, Gygax calls out specifically the tribes that he is trying to invoke mm-hmm. with the class design. Uh, he mentions Scandinavian and Slavic-type barbarians, uh, barbarian fighters is the quote here. Then he describes the, uh, the Turkic um, horse-mounted archers, and then what's almost tended to be um, uh, various jungle-dwelling peoples.
1: Okay, so so he's trying to evoke... He wants to be able to make Thor... He wants to be able to make uh, Conan, and he wants to be able to to make Tarzan. Is that what what I'm getting
4: out of that? Then, I mean, uh, the Sumerians were more sort of Irish, I think, in oh. a weird way. Oh. We, can, okay. we can argue over what the Sumerians are separately. It's not really, <laughs> not really important right now. Sure, but but yes, he's trying to support everything from uh, Vikings to um, like. Tribal peoples in the Congo and in the Amazon and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think
1: certainly um, th- some of those that I just mentioned are sort of the the iconic sort of literary uh, barbarians that, that become the model for this, right? Um, whether it's Tarzan swinging through the jungle or Thor or Conan. I mean, I think Conan is like the go-to, but I think there's other sort of iconic barbarian uh, barbarians in literature as well. If people are looking for inspiration are there any other sources of inspiration people might go to if they want to know if they want to come up with an idea for a really great barbarian?
5: Um, I mean as a general rule just look at any sort of major civilization and then look at who they kind of told stories about on the outer edges of the empire. So if you look at if you look at Rome they would talk about um, you know the, the right. barbarian if tribes from, to to... from Africa and things like that. Or should uh, we mention China and the Huns, things like that? I mean, yeah. there's. Oh, yeah, there's... very much.
4: Say it again, Brandis. You were cutting in and out.
5: Uh, was, I think you were saying Bercingetorix uh, and, and the Gauls?
4: You're definitely right to mention the Vikings that raided uh, England and Ireland. Um, I, I think that looking to the Saxons that drove the Britons out and thus feature so heavily in Arthurian mythology are a, a good draw there.
2: Hmm.
1: And I and I, I would argue that even if you flip that same um, situation around, and uh, that you could use the the barbarian class to represent various figures from from Celtic lore as well.
4: Uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, looking to uh, Kukulin and his warp frenzy, no question.
1: Okay. So any other sources, good sources of inspiration for barbarians before we sort of look at barbarians through the editions. Uh,
4: so, uh, next up after, uh, the dragon magazine issue is, uh, unearthed arcana. Um, and these are both for AD and D first edition. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the key features that show up here for the first time, uh, the first edition Barbarian
5: mm-hmm.
4: doesn't have a Berserker Rage. Oh. That's not a thing. Okay. Um it does have increased movement speed. Uh and it has it can't be of lawful alignment. They have to be chaotic or neutral. Um The they have a lot of roguish skills. hmm They they play like rangers that have more hit points <laughs> and don't like magic items.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: They're strongly characterized by their hatred of magic and magic items.
1: And in some ways, I feel like a lot of that is tying back to the inspiration from like Conan, because sometimes he he is sort of that that, you know, big, tough guy that that hates magic and but sometimes can be a little more roguish, you know? Okay, so that's where the Barbarian is in 1st Edition, uh, in 1st Dragon Magazine and then the Unearthed Arcana, which was sort of a 1st Edition book of like alternative options and whatever. Um, where does the Barbarian go
4: to in 2nd Edition, then? So the Barbarian of 2nd Edition first shows up in the Complete Fighter's Handbook as a kit. Um, the kit's only change is... It changed to reaction rolls, mm. that is to say, how people feel about you when they first see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all it does is make your reaction rolls more extreme. Uh, good rolls get better, bad rolls get worse. It doesn't do anything else to you at all. What this has to do with being a barbarian, I couldn't tell you.
1: Yeah,
4: Yeah, um, and
1: for people who don't know from second edition, kits are small little um add-ons that you can use to flavor your classes it was sort of in my mind kits were like the beginning of what would eventually in third edition become like prestige classes does that sound accurate to other people who've played second edition
4: Uh, prestige classes classes and subclasses for sure
1: yeah so and so that so the barbarian was a kit. Do I remember do you know was there a complete barbarian's handbook in the the complete handbook series?
4: I right you are, sir.
1: Ah see I, I thought I remembered that <laughs>
4: yep. uh, And this and so that circles back to barbarians hating magic items and getting rewarded for destroying them and distrusting spellcasters. and there's a whole chart. At least in Unearthed Arcana, I don't remember if this is in the Complete Barbarian's Handbook, where they can um, interact with uh, higher level magic and more kinds of magic as they advance. Otherwise, they're required to something, which is not clear. <laughs> I, I, they're they're awful party members. I have no idea why you would do this to yourself. But then, um. I think using magic items is a fun part of D&D and not something that you would want to not do.
1: Yeah, well, no, I continue to, like, in my mind, the reason the Barbarian, at least through 2nd and even to a degree into 3rd edition, the reason the Barbarian existed was so people could play Conan because he was so iconic to fantasy as as a genre for so long, you know? So, come third edition, uh, as I recall, does barbarian at that point make it in, back into the player's handbook? I believe, or in, in, for the first time in the player's handbook. Yeah, it did. Okay,
5: that was the uh, the first thing you open up the uh, the PHB to, and it's just oh, right, this thing. Yeah, that was and, the, uh, and
1: so and so no, by third edition, the barbarian no, 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 gets okay, gets core status, uh, and um, then. Yeah, Sort of stays in that core status for for the rest of D and D up to today, right? Third edition, 3.5, fourth edition, fifth edition. Um, the barbarian is a core class again, or core class now, I guess.
4: Except insofar as they aren't in the first player's handbook of fourth edition. Oh, they're, they're sure not the later player's handbook. That's right. Yeah,
5: they were the second one that had all the primal stuff. You
1: are yep. right. Oh, I forgot about that. Man, fourth edition, always the odd man out.
4: But in literally every regard, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So anything really important or iconic to, to that point? At what point did Barbarians get Rage? Was that a third edition thing?
4: That was in 3.0. Okay. Uh, when they first see Rage as a primary feature. That is really and,
1: strange to me because in my mind, like, Rage defines the Barbarian class in so many ways.
4: Yep. Um, they've always had D12 hit dice and they've always mostly not worn armor. Mm-hmm. Rage doesn't show up till uh, 3-0, and from that point on, uh, if you're in combat and not raging, you are doing something seriously wrong.
1: Right. Or you're low level and, and you've had a lot of encounters and, and you're just in trouble now because you ran out of rage.
4: Right, that's possible.
1: Right. So... Let's before we get into the key features of what makes a fifth edition barbarian work and how what the different uh, important things are to remember with the, the mechanics and whatever. Um, why should I want to play a barbarian? Like, wh- what's my inspiration other than I want to be Conan? Right? I, I feel like the barbarian has gone beyond the um, can I play Conan sort of question, right? It's bigger than that now. Um, so why should I play a barbarian? This is for anybody who'd like, who has a thought. Why should somebody be interested in playing barbarians?
3: If you want to make quote unquote bad choices, particularly as a melee character. Okay. What do you mean by that? Uh, so the rage powers often allow you, depends on which ones you pick, obviously, uh, give you some benefits in combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, while well, also you get off, uh, often get some types of damage resistance and other uh, things that, while you're making a bad decision, doesn't make it as bad.
1: Right. Yeah, a lot of the barbarian mechanically and by fifth edition and and prior as well is really built around. Um, this is the person who can make bad choices and and kind of be okay, right? They've got a little bit of damage resistance, they're good at like stumbling into traps and not being killed by them, um, that kind of stuff. Is that what you're talking about?
3: Yeah, and I think too, 5th edition made it uh, a little less risky, because I played a Pathfinder Barbarian once, and with the penalties you would get after your rage was over, which is one of the features. Uh, Rages often a- bump up your stats or give you damage resist or something. Mm-hmm. Um, You would have at least half, I think it was a full number of rounds afterwards where you're kind of in a weakened state, which just made things harder because that's often the time in the combat when your teammates didn't necessarily have as many spells left Mm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I hardly ever use the rage because I'm more of a risk averse character, player, I mean, in that way. Um, so now the penalties aren't quite as steep in 5th edition and uh, they tend to be more pointed to what particular you're doing so maybe you'll get advantage um, but then you open yourself to disadvantage like um, people who roll against you also have advantage Mm -hmm. around or something
1: okay so I want to play a a risk prone character, that's a good reason to play Barbarian Uh, other reasons that I should play Barbarian because there's other so kinds I'm, of risk-prone characters I can play. Like, there's a swashbuckler sort of stereotype I could go for, too. What other reasons?
4: So I had a friend in an Eberron game. Uh, w- the, the primary setting for the campaign was Sharn. So you wouldn't think that'd be a good setting for a barbarian. Hmm. But he themed the whole thing around being John McClane as an uh, unarmored, pure action hero. Oh, there and you go. So that really worked.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. From a... uh, I mean, from kind of just a more Uh, basic... Uncanny
4: Dodge really helped to sell that. Um,
5: Uh, Jonathan, what do you think? Yeah, so from just a very basic, uh, simple standpoint, if you want to be the strongest, toughest person in the party, you'll play a barbarian. Um, You're going to have more hit points than anyone else. You can probably survive a fight longer than anyone else. If it's going toe-to-toe with a giant monster no magic mm-hmm. nothing but just straight up brute strength you'll last longer than anyone else in the party mm-hmm. um if you ever listen to things like uh like critical role especially some of the higher levels they get into high level stuff you've got characters that are just dropping left and right like flies and then grog the barbarian is like okay well guys i'm just now out of triple triple digit hit points things are right. getting a little bit risky right. and everyone else is you know struggling with five yeah and he's just like okay I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to take everything because I'm yep. that strong hit and, I'm dice that tough. and and yeah, D12 hit dice, hit dice and resistance constitution resistance. Oh, they're barbarians are impossible to kill. If you're a GM, you know that's the character that mm. will never stop.
1: Mhm. I am a G. I am a DM and I do have a barbarian in my party. I know that well. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no and I think there's I think there's other reasons to play barbarians as well, like beyond the like, they're the massive pile of muscles that can take a, take all the hits and, and never go down, which is totally what they do. And so they're great at, like, the, the classic sort of berserker from, from Norse mythology or what have you, uh, and all of those things that we've talked about. But I think there's also this sort of um, this sort of, uh, nature-y connection that barbarians have taken on, especially through 4th edition uh, and into 5th edition, um, that is a whole other gives a whole other angle to barbarians as well in terms of what you might be interested in. Like if you want to be the big burly fighter, um, but you also want to have the nature connections. You don't want to play the fighter, you don't want to play the druid, um, you know, but you want something that sort of allows you to to be that kind of character, that's where the barbarian comes in. Like I could see not only the the Norse, uh, or African, or uh, the Huns, or whatever. But I could see a, a Native American sort of uh, inspiration for barbarians as well, um, that would make for really interesting sort of opportunities uh, for a character.
5: Yeah, one place that that kind of got fleshed out a little bit uh, actually kind of started back in 3.0. They released uh, they're releasing these you know s- supplement books, and one was called Masters of the Wild, mm-hmm. and it said druids. Barbarians and rangers are this nice little kind of cadre of kind of primal natural warriors, and mm-hmm. that really got amped up in fourth edition when they had you know the primal power source, and that definitely continues into fifth edition, um, especially with some of the uh, the totem paths. There's a very strong connection to uh, to nature, to animals. Um, if you look in things like Xanathar, then it's like okay, now you're actually connected to the storms and the land itself. Mm-hmm. There is a much more earthy. um I mean yes uh, I mean, naturalistic for lack of a better term uh, thing that barbarians have going mm-hmm. that you don't really get with fighters and um, I mean to some degree you you don't even get it with uh, it's something you really only see with maybe rangers and druids uh, and no one else that have this very deep personal connection I will survive out in the middle of nowhere on my own and I'll be fine yeah
1: they're survivors they're connected to the land it's all of that so that's a lot of good reasons to play a Barbarian. Um, any other good reasons to play a Barbarian? Or should we, we talk about the, the actual, dig into the actual class features? Alright, so let's dig into the class features. Um, usually when I prepare my, my sort of outline of what we're going to talk about, I list all of the, the key sort of, in my mind, iconic class features that I want to make sure to talk about for a class um and there's usually you know four or five of them that sort of define what the class is and then i got to barbarian and i looked through all of the different class features and i'm like i think it's just rage like (laughs) i think i think the the extra large hit die uh because they get a d12 which nobody else gets for for hit points um and beyond that like the barbarian is all about the rage. Like they got other things, right? They can run around unarmored. They can move a little faster. They get all these other things that are sort of um, things that have have traditionally been a barbarian thing. But is anything more iconic to the barbarian than rage? Uh,
5: no, not at all. <laughs> which and is strange because
1: it which is strange because it wasn't part of the barbarian until third edition, right?
5: Uh, I mean, and even all the uh, all the different, uh, I guess they're called primal paths for barbarian. Like, they to the barbarian all and rage. No question. Yeah, they all just augment that rage.
1: Right, and and a lot of the uh, normal non-primal path class features are also about sort of things that you can do while you're raging to make you more ragey, right? You're, you're getting extra attacks and you're getting, you know, uh, your relentless rage where you can just keep going and going when you're raging, uh, even when you're down to, to zero hit points. Uh, you know, persistent rage. Like, a, a lot of the class features uh, are all about, like, you can rage. Now you can rage a little better. Now you can keep raging, you know? <laughs> so um, Absolutely. Like, if you understand the rage mechanic, you can probably pull off a barbarian because everything else seems to pull from that. So so let's talk about that rage mechanic a little As
4: bit. As a follow-on to that, oh, yeah. uh, the, the, the constraints around rage put some serious constraints on the class. Mm-hmm. Um, so the things that you can't do while raging or shouldn't do while raging are serious limits and if you listen to uh, Mike Morales talk about the class in happy fun hour, it really constrains what you can bother to do with a barbarian subclass.
2: Mm
4: -hmm. Um, so you can't wear heavy armor. Uh, there's, uh, no point in using a weapon that you're not basing your attack on strength. Um, because you lose out on your rage damage. Um, you can't concentrate on spells. Uh, you can't cast spells. Um, so yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, so so there are certainly like there are some things that are definitely encouraged, and there are some things that are that are just straight up um, limited, right? The not wearing armor, although you have the unarmored defense as well. So you, when you're not wearing armor, um, you're you're either, you get a bump to your ac based on your con which is yet again stacking on i'm a big pile of hit points right right Um, because it's encouraging you to have a high con so that you can have the higher ac even though you're not wearing armor and then you get um what is it resistance to bludgeoning piercing and slashing damage so if somebody tries to hit you with a weapon of any sort you're going to take half of that damage Um, yep Plus, you've got more hit points than everybody else, right? So, Yeah, the
4: the tough thing about that is that it wants you to have a good dexterity for unarmored defense Ah. and a great constitution, and you can't apply either of those to your attacks, so you also need a great strength.
1: And yeah, you wouldn't be a very good barbarian if you didn't have a huge strength, too, right?
4: So multiple attribute dependency is in full swing here, and it's a bad problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if it's a problem. It is, it is a, a choice that you have to consider when you are building a, a barbarian, right? It is a decision you have to make. Um, certainly if it was me, I would go strength con dex as my priorities in that order. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I would rather sacrifice a little bit of hit points and AC in order to do more damage because darn it if i'm being a barbarian that's what i'm there to do
4: i agree with that i just think that it's pressure to have more good ability scores than you see in most classes Yep, that's really all i'm saying
1: it is yeah no that's true Uh, so, the, so the rage beyond giving you resistance to those damages also gives you uh, advantage on strength and strength checks and strength saving throws, uh, and it gives you bonus damage when you you know smash things when you're raging, and that damage slowly increases. It's a plus two. Uh, and then at 9th level it becomes a plus 3, and then at 16th becomes a plus 4, and that's all that really the higher it gets. Except that, of course, later on, you're also, like, by 5th level, you're adding an extra attack and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. So it's still, um, it adds up. Anything else that the rage does?
5: Uh, I mean, a lot of that is going to depend on which path you choose. Exactly. Um, but even before you get there, there are some things as you level up. Um, Eventually, you get the ability where you can... Um, where, effectively, if you're raging, you're so angry, you just don't die. Like, you get to start rolling <laughs> con saving throws every time uh. you get hit, which you're going to have a great con. Uh, it's it's both re- because a stat, and it's one of your uh, it's one of your proficiencies.
1: Right. It's, you're and talking about Relentless Rage, the 11th level. Yeah, Relentless level.
5: Rage at 11th level, yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think... <laughs>
1: Yeah, so every time you get dropped below zero, that you're, that you're not just outright killed, it's a con save. Now, that con save goes up every time. So it's a con save at 10, and then it's a con save at 15, and then 20. So that gets pretty hard pretty quick. It's not like you just live forever, um, but it certainly makes you death-resistant, right? Yeah. And, and part of, like, talk to me about this, because one of the things that rage allows you to do is be really good at strength checks right um, so if I needed to to lift that boulder so that my allies could get you know out of the cave or knock down the door or whatever, um, you could fly into a rage and get advantage on those checks except that your rage ends early if you're not either attacking somebody or taking damage in any given turn. So if you go a full turn without attacking or taking damage, your rage ends. So the idea of raging to to lift the boulder or whatever is a fairly temporary solution to that problem, right?
4: Yeah, I I definitely wish that uh, the rage and worked a little differently so that it was able to be more like an action hero Mm -hmm. sort of beast mode power, right?
1: And, and I think you could you could house rule that pretty easily and say, you know, as long as you're doing something with your rage, like sure. take, taking damage, attacking, or making a strength check, you know, um, then you could probably cover it that way pretty well. But um, I think... Because you're
4: acting like an action hero.
1: Right. <laughs> I think what they were trying to do, and, and I might be wrong, but the gut I get is what they were trying to do was, was to get barbarians to not just... Um, just keep running from encounter to encounter to encounter, while so, without having to use multiple rages.
4: It's only a one-minute duration, anyway.
1: Right, but in one minute, like that's ten rounds. I could, I could get through one or two, and maybe even three encounters if they go quick, right? <laughs> but I have to travel to, I have from room to room or whatever in a dungeon to do that. Maybe it, it, maybe it would time out if I missed a round as I was running to the next room. So.
5: One thing with, uh, you know, you need needing to take damage to stay in a rage. There is kind of a very iconic image of that raging warrior who is literally hitting themselves and hurting themselves to stay angry and to stay furious. I suppose. Which is, it's kind of weird, but um, that's the kind of thing that I've seen in movies and TV shows when you see these, you know, traditional like, barbarian hordes, and they're, like, you know, beating on their own breast just to stay that furious and that angry... Um, you even saw something like this in uh what was it the force awakens mm-hmm. there's a big fight at the end with kylo and ray and you see Kylo Ren hitting himself in the side to stay angry so we continue using the dark side of the force like there's something very interesting about that i mean that's obviously that's not a solution but if you want like a really cool visual just you know once or twice well that's a cool i thing mean to do.
1: it's a cool visual for like dark horrible people <laughs> Like, I mean, it's really sort of giving a benefit to self harm, and I'm not sure that that's awesome. Uh, uh, like, like yeah, I don't good, mind. Right. A, I don't mind a Kyler Ren doing it because he's supposed to be the jerk, right? But,
5: uh, yeah, uh, So, yeah, let's go ahead and make sure we say it. We are not advocating self harm in any way. Right. That is, yeah. <laughs> But sorry, but, I was and, I wasn't even thinking about it in that way.
1: But but you're not wrong. Like that's a thing you could do, and so there is like think a so. mechanical reason it, to, to have a I character think be a good house self-harm.
5: rule to.
4: Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think it'd be a, a workable house rule to say, um, it, you know, you can choose to take, let's call it 1d4 or 1d6 damage that you can't reduce with um, uh, resistance or immunity to damage to sustain your rage and just have the rule work that way, right? Sure. Like, yeah. that doesn't even need to get themed as, you know, hitting or cutting yourself. That can just be fatigue.
1: Right. Okay, so any other, like, iconic cl- basic class features and then before we move into the primal paths? Uh, a few
5: traditional uh, ones.
1: So, so
4: Danger Sense is one I want to bring up um, mm. because Danger Sense uh, goes back to Uncanny Dodge uh, in 3.0 and 3.5, mm-hmm. uh, which lets you um, avoid being flanked by rogues, uh, and in that regard, it goes back to the original Dragon magazine article uh, where barbarians could resist being backstabbed by rogues.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I don't know why. That's just a thing that's always been around.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like we gotta we gotta bring back. Um... The guys who were reading the appendix end books and, and asked them about Conan from back in the day because I feel like there was a history be- with Conan and Rogues that might explain some of that. But uh, Jonathan, you were going to mention another iconic class feature.
5: Uh, yeah, so just a few small things. One is the uh, the fast movement, which you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. is just uh, an old old barbarian thing where I mean, barbarians like they're not as fast as monks, but you'll outrun just about everybody else around you. Um, and one other one that I think gets overlooked a little bit, but it's actually a fantastic ability, is at level 7 you get Feral Instinct, which is so advantage on initiative, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else gets that. Uh, but also, you get to act in surprise rounds. No one else does, mm-hmm. but if you're willing to immediately go and fly into a rage, you get to act on surprise rounds. Um, and for things like ambushes, you react quicker than anybody else does. If the party you know, suddenly gets jumped by a bunch of rogues or assassins, you're the one who's going to suddenly be there, weapon in hand, killing them while the rest of the party is still, you know, waking up from their bedrolls. Right.
1: Now, you you mentioned the, and that's your, I'm not gonna I'm not I don't have anything to add to the conversation about feral instinct. You're right that that it's a really interesting and, and sort of um, uh, flavorful feature. Uh, but you also mentioned that fast movement is a part of the the barbarian that has been around since the beginning, almost right. Um, that barbarians are just faster than normal characters other than maybe monks um why is that why do barbarians need to be faster than everybody else other than they always have been what's the purpose behind that uh
5: so i mean my um my un, or my guess at this this is me kind of guessing offhand is it does go back to a little bit of that kind of historical thing where you know uh barbarians whether you're talking about the um you know, the, the Norse barbarians and the mm-hmm. Rus, or if you're talking about, um, you know, uh, Mon- Mongolians, uh, you know, and under Attila the Hun, they always had this reputation of showing up quickly, striking hard, striking fast, just these shock troops that just suddenly overwhelm everyone and just rush into battle headlong without, you know, not weighed down by armor, not so down by anything. They just straight up charge in, and my guess is it goes back to some of that, mm-hmm. but that's me guessing offhand. Yeah, that was sort I of my my, my gut as well, exactly.
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it goes back to this idea, like, they're the frontline line I, I almost want to say shock troops, but they're not even shock troops, because, like, they're the frontline berserkers that are just going to tear up your front lines. Well, um,
5: they, they were straight-up used as shock troops a lot, historically. Sure,
1: sure. But I don't think that's the iconic image that inspires the fast movement. Uh, you know, the the, the idea of a shock troop, because the idea of a shock troop is that they're the front lines that can take the hit so that you're more important units don't have to, right? Um, The barbarian can run into the front and take the hits as well.
4: So they're not quite, you know, Um, stormtroopers. Some of the Native American characters in, uh, the other piece was looking to some of the Native American characters in Lash of the Mohicans. And, um, honestly, probably some of the, um, the African long distance runners, Mm. um, Looking back at the Dragon Magazine article from First Edition, running is one of the special barbarian skills that some barbarians, but not all of them, have. Hmm. Um, that lets them uh, run at double normal speed for up to three days in a row. They just go and keep running for days. Well, there you go.
5: Um, and mechanically, it's also kind of nice uh, because uh, because really, you are a melee-only character. It is a nice thing if you need to suddenly cross the battlefield really quickly because you don't have a lot of other options for getting places you're not going to mention door and you're not going to pull out you know a, a longbow. you're just going to run over there and hit someone again and that's going to be what you do
1: you you said you said melee only and and in my head i heard male only i'm like why do barbarians have to be male only <laughs> that, that's not what you were saying okay sorry
5: just just melee
1: melee yes <laughs> and tracy is pointing out in the chat for some reason you can talk tracy uh, it's, it's, hard
3: the, to, it's hard to get a at, at at word
1: yeah. sorry so
3: no I'm no sure. it's fine uh, Leroy Jenkins That's right.
1: this is your Leroy oh, yeah. Jenkins sort of character right <laughs> so let's talk primal paths uh, there are two primal paths and since we got Tracy talking Tracy can you tell us about the, just overall the two primal paths
3: uh, so I guess first you'll have to tell me which two because I had to look at uh, D&D Beyond oh before. Uh, So the
1: two in the player's handbook are uh, uh, the Berserker and the Totem Warrior. Okay. But as you point out, there are other options available when you move into Xanathar's Guide and other books.
3: Yeah, so D&D Beyond has six paths available. So uh, you said the Berserker was one? Berserker and Totem Totem Warrior. Warrior. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember them all. Uh, (laughs) There are six. (laughs) Well, the Berserker doesn't seem like it has as much compared to some of the other ones, but I think it's because... I'll start with the Totem Warrior. Okay. Uh, the, the Totem Warrior uh, kind of pulls more of the, I would say, the Native American myth with, with Totems, although I know it's not just a Native American mm-hmm. uh, thing. But that's where you start getting connected to animals uh, because you get to you get be sent and speak with animals at their level, and then you pick this Totem Spirit uh and which one you pick you get to pick at least two is it three Three. yeah uh so you pick different animals and that gives you different um characteristics so like at first level the first time you can pick it uh bear gives you resistance to all damage except for psychic while raging but then at sixth level it's that your carrying capacity is doubled and then And so on and so forth. So it's kind of like you're building your quote-unquote totem through. And
1: it's it's worth noting that for the for the totem spirits that you're selecting, because you do select you select them at three different places. You can keep selecting the same ones. You can do bear, 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 but you don't have to. So you can do bear, eagle, wolf. You can do bear, eagle, eagle. You can do you know, wolf, bear, wolf, or whatever. Right. You can mix and match at, at each level when you choose.
3: Right. Um, and then, is it okay to go back to the Berserker one now? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
3: So a lot of that is, it, it's really about, uh, violence, and, uh, so you can go into a Frenzy, uh, which gives you, uh, a single melee weapon attack as a bonus action, um, after the turn in which you... But then you g- gain a level read, of exhaustion, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that ca- kind of calls back to uh, some earlier editions, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, at 6th level you get mindless rage, which means you can't be charmed or frightened,
2: because mm-hmm. you'd
3: have to think <laughs> to do those things, you're just not. Right. Uh, and 10th level is intimidating presence, uh, where you can frighten someone, and then the 14th level is retaliation. Where uh, if you take a damage from a creature within five feet, you can hit him back. You hit him back.
1: <laughs> right. So in in some ways, like the the berserker is the uh, you know you seem to like your barbarian. Let me like, you know, let me let me put more barbarian in your barbarian. Right.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, and then the totem warrior is the, um, hey, let's not forget that barbarians are, are sort of connected to the land and the and the earth and, and nature and, and spirits and all that kind of stuff. So it's the, we're going to focus less on being more barbarian and focus more on being sort of this um, attuned person to the nature spirits. Right. All right, cool.
3: And... Is it okay to talk about one other one real quick, just because... It- yeah,
1: so so normally we, we try to keep the class ones fairly evergreen, so we stick to the player's handbook. But there are, as you mentioned, like lots of different options um, because there are iconic sort of stereotypes or archetypes of barbarians in literature, and I think they've tried to help um, build more ways of doing that. So why don't you give us a quick breakdown of what the other options are?
3: Sure. Uh, there's the Path of the Ancestral Guardian... Um, where basically you get uh, ancestor protector spirits that can do different things, uh, including um, have targets get disadvantaged on attack rolls and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's the battle rager, uh, which in, uh, is restricted to dwarves only unless your DM decides to uh. lift the restriction. And so that's, uh, so
1: that's the one that's inspired by the, the characters from the Forgotten Realms that would just jump into to battle with spikes all over their armor and just become big giant balls of, of violence in the middle of a battlefield.
3: Right. Uh, and then there's Path of the Storm Herald, which was one that I specifically I really wanted to point out because it has the aura. You have a storm aura mm-hmm. and it's desert sea or tundra. But that was kind of interesting to me because I don't know how many characters still character classes still have auras anymore.
1: Hmm, that's true. Yeah, my son um actually played a, a one of those barbarians for a while in the after school club that I ran, uh, and he really and uh, there's one. What is it? The is it the tundra one maybe that has an aura that gives your allies uh, temporary hit points. Um. Yes. Yeah, so so every single round. So now he's a barbarian. He t- he's taking half damage on almost everything. He's got more hit points than everybody else. And he's getting two temporary hit points and giving them to his allies every single round as well. <laughs>
3: so. And then the last one is the Path of the Zealot, which I don't know if I understood as much, but in terms of like how this really fits. Mm. Like it does in some ways. Because a zealot often doesn't think can kind of get angry uh, and and mad, but but it's still very interesting.
5: Uh, yeah, for uh, for those last two, the uh, the Stormheld one actually felt a lot like fourth edition barbarians. I, the idea of having this kind of constant aura around you that did slightly different mm-hmm. things, it felt very four e ish. And again, it's interesting because you can attune it to the type of. Uh, the type of environment you want the path of the zealot almost feels more made for i feel made for gms rather than uh than players because that's the kind of thing like uh, an orc berserker champion of um Grunge Grunge or something game. like that you could see this just like nope i serve my crazy battle god and i will never die there you go. and if i die his weird priest will bring me right back so i can keep fighting and that's all i'm going to do because my god has given me the strength to be his undying warrior forever.
4: I would say that the Zealot is a barbarian interpretation of the 4th edition Avenger class. Mm. Uh, It is uh, very lightly armored or completely unarmored and has a big honking weapon um, and hits you in the face for god. There
1: you go. So I think we've run through sort of the, the archetypes and the builds and the mechanics of a barbarian pretty well. We've talked about the history and and the reasons you might want to play one. Um, so any particular, like, tips um, for building barbarians or for playing barbarians, right? We talked about, um, like, our I think... At least three of us said that our priorities for stats, since since there's at least three stats that are really important to Barbarian, would be uh, Strength Con Dex, right? Um, beyond that, what other things do people need to know if they want to build an effective Barbarian?
4: I think one of the big things is using Reckless Attack in the right time at the right place. Uh, because bad use of Reckless Attack is uh, a good way to get dead. Um, and also, if your campaign uses feats, I cannot imagine not buying Gri- Great Weapon Master as soon as possible.
1: Great Weapon Master is that what you did? Yep. Okay. So, so you say using Reckless Attack at the right time. Uh, when precisely is the right time? Uh,
4: you know, All ideally when
5: uh, <laughs> you have every round
4: someone else on hand <laughs> to punish it for attacking you, but. Maybe it's every round, maybe maybe that's you. <laughs> Hard to know. Uh, so in my campaign, there have been two barbarians uh, for a bunch of the sessions, which is which has been a really interesting perspective. Um, one has played um, a totemic barbarian, and the other is playing a uh, homebrewed subclass. Um, and the the guy in the homebrewed subclass. Reck- reckless attacks with full uh, grave master power attack every round, no matter what. That is what he is going to do, and that is that's just his character note. And the other barbarian uh, very often doesn't reckless attack. I don't believe he has uh, grave master, and he is much more hit and run. And so the contrast in their play styles is super interesting.
1: Hmm. Yeah, no, Reckless Attack for me is, is interesting. And I certainly see um, the point that was being made earlier about, like, use it all the time. You're a barbarian, right? Go crazy. You've got all the crazy resistances and hit points and whatever. You're going to be fine anyway. Give Because the the downside to Reckless Attack is um, that anybody attacking you gets advantage on you. Uh, but you also get advantage on your attacks. Um I guess in my mind, there's a balance that can be made. Like, obviously, I would go, you, you know, you, you make the decision based off of what is the more interesting role-playing decision for your character, right? So so I could see the, the I'm just going to do it all the time, because darn it, I'm a barbarian, and that's what I do. Um, but I could also see the very careful, like, um, you know, if I've got two or three of the enemy lieutenants on me, like, not the, not the, the mooks, so to speak, right, because I can take a hit from them, uh, and maybe not just the one-on-one me and the big bad because if it's one-on-one, like the advantage helps me as, as much as it helps them and, and possibly me more so because I have multiple attacks. Um, but if, if, I'm, if I've got two or three baddies around me that are kind of tough, um, that might be where I hesitate to use Reckless Attack because now they're going to be getting a bunch of attacks on me with advantage and that benefits them a lot, possibly more than me. Uh, and I don't want to give my enemies more advantages than I'm taking for myself.
4: The other case where you really don't want a reckless attack is if your enemies are making attack rolls, but dealing energy damage that gets to ignore your mm. damage resistance.
1: That's probably true as well, yeah.
5: One thing that was uh, that was just said a second ago about having two different Barbarians, um, and I think it really is exemplified by the two different paths in this. You know, there is the, I'm a frenzy berserker, I'm going to run things and I'm going to hit them. And if that doesn't work, my plan B is to hit them harder and that's the same for my plan C through through Z. Right. Nice. Um, whereas, if you go to the path of the totem warrior and you take something like the wolf, it is much more of this kind of um, kind of cunning pack leader type person. You'll be moving around. You'll be knocking enemies over. Uh, if you're the path of the eagle, you're a little. You can literally fly across the battlefield and just um, and navigate everywhere. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a, there it's are
1: a little bit more strategic of a of a build. Yeah.
5: Right? Yeah. So as much as we say the barbarian is very like you know. One hit wonder or many hit wonder. <laughs> um, you know, there there are different ways to play it, and that also extends with uh, with the extra uh, extra paths in uh, in Xanathar. Right. So um, there's uh, a- as simple and straightforward as barbarians are. There actually is a lot of depth and interesting choices there. But you know, if you want to just run up and hit things until they just stop moving, it's a great choice.
1: yeah and and you mentioned like the idea that the the totem warrior is a more strategic barbarian um and that's absolutely true in the same way that like if you look at the fighter and we did several episodes ago um if you look at the fighter like the fighter is oftentimes considered to be a pretty straightforward, easy to run, easy to make class, right? It's your basic class, except that there's the version that's not, right? There's the version of the fighter that has all these extra, you know, the expertise dice and all these extra things that they can do um, that are more um, quirky and, and tricky to figure out when to use them and how to use them and whatever, but it means that you're much more strategic and tactical and all that kind of stuff. Um, the totem warrior does that for the barbarian, but it seems to me, in a but less so. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like it's the more strategic of the barbarians, but it's still an easier class to run than that version of the fighter.
4: I think that's probably fair. It it is still much think. more passive benefit than mm-hmm. a battle master.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and and one of the things I really came to realize when when I was Um, preparing for this episode is I don't know that I would have thought of it before because rage almost works like limited use magic, you know, Uh, and it's got a relatively long entry and sort of how it works. And there's all these little quirks about it. You can't, you know, you got to meet these requirements and it does these multiple things. And so rage is one of the more complex class abilities, but if you can figure out that one class ability, the barbarian is really like the most straightforward easiest to run class in fifth edition D and D does that seem right?
4: I think that's fair. And I think that the complexities around rage are very much in fitting with the archetype. So if you walk in with some understanding of what you're asking for archetypally, Mm -hmm. um, the rules are going to fall into line pretty nicely for you.
2: Mm-hmm. If and, you
4: don't have a background in the fiction that the barbarian is drawing on, then you're going to be more disappointed, probably. Maybe. Yeah.
5: And even a lot of the uh, a lot of the restrictions around rage rage will probably never come up. I feel like those are more there to prevent uh, abuse from multiclassing. So, like, oh, sure. lim- limitation on spells or, okay, these have to be done with strength attacks. Like That's just to keep raging rogues from running okay. all over the place. Sure. Because it's a first-level first, first level ability, if they didn't have those restrictions on it, people would just dip into Barbarian all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Or, uh, so, I think it's the, less complicated than it appears. The 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 armor uh, requirement because we can't have you be both heavily armored and like the toughest person in the battlefield. Yeah. So um yeah no i think i think um there's a lot there to consider i also want to encourage people when you're thinking about like how to play a barbarian um there are a handful of stereotypes for barbarians right the 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 big dumb smash it sort of uh hulk or conan sort of or crawl the conqueror we haven't mentioned him yet uh, uh, there's these sort of iconic, you know, muscle-bound, dunder-headed sort of uh, characters that can be bar- barbarians. But that doesn't necessarily have to be your barbarian. And there's also this nature element to them. There's a history. Uh, if you go into Conan, right, there's a point where he stops being the barbarian and starts being the king. And so there's this, there's this noble... Um, archetype for barbarians as well uh, and there's this you know the spiritual whether it's nature spirits or or the gods or you know all these other spirits the land what was the other one we mentioned the ancients your ancestors um, there's all these sort of spiritual connections your barbarian can have so so on one hand i would say reach out and look for a less stereotypical way of being a barbarian Hulk smash! Right, and on the other hand, like that's a really fun archetype to play. <laughs> so sometimes you want to try something different with a Barbarian, but sometimes Hulk smash is a really fun way to play D&D. And playing the big, dunder-headed, muscle-bound brute is a great way to be, right? <laughs> so um, I think both are fine. And the Barbarian um, is flexible enough and has these hooks around in different ways that you could do both.
4: So... If I wanted to find a bunch of subtly different barbarians to draw upon, I'd go watch Star Trek Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and see what they do with Klingons.
1: Mm.
4: Because it's a bunch of proud warrior race guys who love to get super angry and beat stuff to death. So what's not to like? But they're all subtly different from each other. And that that conflict and difference could really informed a lot of barbarian play Mm -hmm.
1: and i think the fact that we've mentioned like so many different sources of inspiration for barbarian play um says a lot about how you can find those differences you don't even just have to look at the subtle differences between klingons you can look at the differences between klingons and norse berserkers and the huns and uh tarzan and you know all these other things that we've mentioned um
3: dr jekyll
1: there you go. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is, is a good example of like if I was going to make the character of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, that might be a, a, a variation of a barbarian, absolutely. So look there's all kinds of different crazy things you can do with barbarians. Any other tips or last thoughts? We are We are over an hour now.
5: No. Nothing from uh, I think I mean, I'm I w- pretty much
4: set. I mean, all right. I, I love Kukulin as a doomed barbarian. Who? Cuculun. From. I um, yeah, I don't know who Kukulin is. You mentioned him earlier. Okay. So Kukulin shows up in Irish legend in the cattle raid of Cooley, and he is um, he, he is doomed by these uh, three Gesha, and they are things he must never do. He has these prohibitions that grant him his strength, right? And he's been trained in the warp frenzy, which is this, you know, killing frenzy that uh, makes one eye shrink down and one eye grow grow to the size of a dinner plate. And he is this incredibly over-the-top hero who cuts the tops off of mountains and so on. And um, he he is doomed because... Uh, eventually fate is going to conspire to cause him to violate his prohibitions and lose his power. Okay. And, and thus be able to die basically. Uh huh.
1: Are there any, um, we've talked a lot about named iconic, uh, barbarians and they're all men. Are there any good female iconic barbarians?
4: Is Red Sonja, uh, uh a barbarian? I think Red Sonja is a good one. I okay. think that uh, if you want to keep going to the cattle raid of Cooley, Kukulin was trained by uh, Scatha, if I'm pronouncing that right. It's Irish. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, and Cuculan's uh, trainer was a woman.
1: Okay. I mean, you could also go to comics a little bit too. I mean, beyond the obviously, there's the Hulk, and then and then the reverse of that. The, you know, She-Hulk and whatever. Um, you got the same thing with like, I I think I would say Wolverine is a barbarian and um, current incarnations of Wolverine are uh, a woman as well. So,
4: right. There's, you know, I just watched Logan for the first time a few days ago. So Mm. X 23 is on point.
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah, very much. Um, I mean, there was the, there was the barbarian in the direct DVD sequel to the Dungeons and Dragons movie that came out in like 2003, (laughs) I can't really recommend that, but <laughs> there you go. It's uh, there. Um, actually, one thing I would say to take a look at is um, uh, yeah, there's a comic called Rat Queens. yeah, and is. you have Thank very you. amazing female archetypes for all the main classes, mm-hmm. uh, including a barbarian. Um, so if you just want to see something uh, yep. if nothing else, it's a great comic and it's a lot of fun.
4: yep, and the the barbarian in Rat Queens is um, a trans woman.
5: Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct.
4: There you go. All right, so lots of barbarians
1: there. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and call that the end of this episode.
3: We'd like to say thank you to our sponsors, NobleNight.com and DiceEnvy.com, as well as our guests. Brandis, where can people find you online? Mm
4: BrandisDoddard.com, and I write for Tribality.
3: And Jonathan, where can folks find you?
5: Uh, so you can find me here on the Tome Show Network uh, with the with my show Performance Check. Uh, we uh, will have s- uh, some new episodes coming out in the next over the next few months. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter at John underscore M underscore Green.
3: Awesome. And we'd also like to say thank you to all of you for supporting the show by shopping from our affiliate links when you use Amazon or DMs Guild, or being a patron of the show at patreon.com slash the Tome Show.
1: If you would like to get a hold of us, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can call the biz line at 919biztome if it's still working. I think I may have received notification they were taking it away again, but I don't know. I've, I've heard that before. We'll see. Uh, you can tweet Tracy directly. Um, she is at Darkmagic. You can tweet me directly. I am at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. You can tweet the show at Show uh and speaking of reaching out we let me know how you like the how we ran the two sponsors um this episode uh i've been committed to never having more than two sponsors at a time uh but would you prefer to have them both at the beginning sort of together like we did this time or would you like to have one towards the front and one later on and break it up a little bit let me know email tweet me uh tweet the show whatever um give me the give me the word
3: awesome and that's episode 304 we got in touch with our emotions and let them out in productive ways definitely not constructive uh <laughs> in this episode of
5: you don't dress up to play
2: dnd you don't dress up to play dnd you don't dress up to play dnd unless Want to like me. You don't dress up to play D. You don't dress up to play D. You don't dress up to play D Unless you want to
0: like me. You don't think we fancy, let me teach you about class. Priest, fighter, rogue, catch, a kick your ass. You don't think we street? Look at this table full of vice. You don't think we hard, just touch my dice. You don't think we can get it? At the birds and the bees. I'm a pallet in the suits, but a thief in the shoes. My character shoots. Maxed out sass out your helping my DM He's He thinks he in charge, we don't worry about him. Simple when he out to get us, be like Jack this scram. Master player, traitor, master creator. Look at me, master NPC generator. Just cause she your master doesn't mean you have to hate her. Got a boy. I don't need to be no master later. I don't care if over there your character is dying. Cause it's just like in now you start realizing we're the cool cool nerds call me neil deGress. twice d to the r to the a goodness. s d and d the dungeon message sets up a scenario then he or she asks where would you like to go we talk as a group then decide together there's no winning yo we could play forever stay right there let me answer your questions i'll clear up all your misconceptions stay right there let me answer your questions i'll clear up
2: all your Inceptions. You don't dress up to play D, you don't dress up to play D D, you don't dress up to play D unless you want to like me. You don't dress up to play D, you don't dress up to play D, you don't dress up to Unless you want to like me, you don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D unless you want to like me. You don't dress up to play D and D. you Don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D unless you want to like me. I'm on the wall.